a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us, as always, daf hey in Meseches Mayed Katan. Okay, we're just going to pick up from the bottom two words on Dalit Amabez, so we understand which part of the Mishnah we are learning. We said, Umesaknin es kilkule hamayim shebershosarabim v'chulu. Top of today's daf, you're allowed to fix up broken wells that are out in our Rishosarabim out for the public, as opposed to digging a brand new well that is, uh, that's not allowed, okay? And uh, from the Mishnah you see sometimes that it's Kedai to have something built, and even if it gets a little broken, you know, it might, it might get a little bit damaged, it's less effort to have started and have to fix that up, you know, the little bit of the, uh, the lack as opposed to, you know, uh, not having started in the first place and having to create a, a brand new well, we find the same thing, you know, in life as we find with this halacha. Okay, let's get going. We are on the very top line of Davhei Amar Aleph, says the Gemara. Chatita in Chafirulay. You're allowed to clean out the, um, the wells on Cholamayid, but you're not allowed to dig a new well. The only time you're not allowed to dig a new well is if the community, the, the multitudes, the public does not need the new wells for their traveling needs. But let's say you need a rest stop, you need water, people need it in order to, to fill up, uh, get clean water, then even to dig a brand new well is going to be allowed. Says the Gemara, really? Is that true? When the, when the public needs a brand new well, it's going to be permitted. You're allowed to dredge out. You are allowed to remove uh, twigs and pebbles and all these things from the ditches, from the, from the, the wells, from the caves. Um, even if... It's privately owned. And how much more so is it allowed if the public needs it? Again, what are you allowed to do? Clean it. It doesn't say that you're allowed to dig new ones. We're not talking about new ones yet. But you're certainly allowed to clean out for individual wells. How much more so for public wells? But you're not allowed to dig initially. Wells, ditches, caves, so rabim. Okay, you're not allowed to dig new ones for the public. If you're not allowed to dig new ones for the public on Cholamayid, how much more so are you not allowed to do it for the private? Says the Gemara, so we got a question over here. My Aren't we dealing with, why would you dig a new well? Because the masses need it. And we're still saying, you're not allowed to dig a new well on Cholamayid. That's the question. The question is, says the Gemara, again, how can Rabbi Yaakov quote Rabbi Yechanan to say that when the Rabbim needs the new well, it becomes allowed, but if they don't need it, it's not allowed. According to this, Brisa, it seems to imply no matter what, you're not allowed to dig a new well. Answers the Gemara, wrong. Your premise is incorrect. Low, no. B'she'ein Rabbim, Tzrichem Lahem. The only time you're not allowed to dig a new well for the public is when it's not really necessary. You have other wells to get it from. Okay? And I'll explain to you why this is true, says the Gemara. Because, let's contrast this to an individual. Now, what do you mean by an individual well? Okay? When you have something, any situation, cleaning out a well, digging a well, the yachid doesn't necessarily need it. Is it even permitted to clean out the well? Private well, I don't need it. It happens to be the well that I don't need is dirty. Am I allowed to remove the twigs and the stones? Says, says the Gemara, no. And I'll prove to you not. V'hatanya, because we learned in Ebraisa. If you have a private well, a private ditch, a private cave. Okay, you're allowed to bring water into, the, into these areas. You're not allowed to clean them out. Nor are you allowed to um, repair the sedukim, the cracks. 
Vishal Rabbim, when it comes to a public well, you're allowed to clean it out, and you're allowed to fix up, uh, you're allowed to fix up the cracks. You see from over here that we're dealing with a private well, and it's still, per, um, it's still permitted to be cleaned out even when he doesn't need it. So why would the Brysa say it's going to be usher? Elamai, what are you going to respond? It is what we call bavarning. The Gemara is going to, is forewarning us and saying, rather, what are you going to say to this point? You're going to tell me like this. I know what you're going to say already. You're going to say, Are we dealing over there when the Yachid needs it? No, the Kavasar Gabi Rabim. If we're dealing with the Brisa, when the individual needs use of this well, so contrast it to the story, the situation of when a public needs a well, we're dealing with the, the, the masses who need the well. If that's true, chafira mi'aser, is it permitted to dig a new well? When the masses need, when the public need a well, you're not allowed to dig a new one? That's not true either. If it's a private, as if it's a private thing, you're allowed to bring water into there. You're not allowed to repair the cracks. Nor you're allowed to dredge it, clean it out. And you're not allowed to put plaster on them. When it comes to the public, you're allowed to dig it. And you're even allowed to smear on plaster to make sure that this does not leak. Okay, so what do you see from this, Bryce? So we're kind of stuck here. Okay, let's explain. Well, what do you see from this, Bryce? So you can even dig a new one. All right, what do you see from here? Says the Gemara, we're confused. If you're confused, give Aldik. Because the Gemara is going to say four more words. Elakasha hachkamaisa. Okay? So this whole brisa is a question. Because in one brisa, here's what's happening. The brisa listed a private well and a public well. And it told us the halachas of a private well and the halachas of a public well. If in the same brisa, you're going to contrast private and public, it must be talking about the same situation, meaning the private well, the individual needs it. The public well, the public needs it. Or you could say, if the private well, the individual does not need it, then it must be, contrasting it to the public well, the public does not need it either. Whatever the situation is by the individual, that's what it's going to be by the rabbim. Now here's the problem. Either way... The halachos don't stim. It doesn't work out. We don't know anymore, says the Gemara. We are completely confused as to whether we're dealing with a well which is needed or a well which is not needed. Because no matter how you're going to cut the cake, we're going to have, we're going to have questions either on the private well, on the halachos of the private well, or on the halachos of the public well. So that's really what we're stuck with. So says the Gemara, okay. Gemara says like this, Taratzachi. Let's explain to clarify our situation. Let's explain the brisa in the following way. You're allowed to clean out a private person's well, cave, so on and so forth. When are you allowed to do that on Cholamayda? When are you allowed to clean out? When the individual needs the water. Okay. Clear? Good. This is sensible also. The Yachid needs it. He needs his water for Yom Tif. The only thing that needs to be done is cleaning out. We'll allow it. And how much more so, if the public needs it, are you allowed to clean it out? Why is it certainly allowed for the public to clean it? Because when it comes to a public well, you could even initially dig a new well. If I could initially dig a new well when the rabbin, when the community needs water, of course I could simply clean it out. It's much less effort. Now, second halacha. The ein chayfrim bayrez sichinum arish However, you're not allowed to dig a new well for the public. What, one second. You just told me I could. Says the Bryce, no, no, no. I'll tell you when you're not. You know when you're not allowed to dig a new well? Bishain rabbin sichinum When the public does not need it. You can't just go ahead on Cholomite and start digging wells. Be like, oh, no, yeah, you could do that. You know why? It's for the community. No. Even for a community. It's Allah Cholomaisa. 
for when, when the masses, when groups of people need something done, it's the malacha, the, the labor is only permitted on Chol moed when there's a tzairich, when there's a need for the yom. If ain't tzarech lehem yachid, how much more so when it comes to an individual, dechi ain yachid tzarech lehem, if an individual does not need, um, does not need the water, these wells, these, these uh, caves, these, these pits, afidu chatita nami aser, even cleaning it out, is going to be forbidden. Okay, beautiful. This is very sensible, very logical. Again, what is the Gemara walking away with right now? Okay, uh, with this halacha. What the Gemara is walking away with is that when there's a tzorich, when there's a need, an individual could clean it, a community can clean it. And a community can even dig a new one. When there's no need, then no one's allowed to do anything. Community can't do it on Cholamite, even a cleaning out. You don't need it, don't get involved in cleaning out. Don't put in that effort. And how much more so is an individual not allowed? Beautiful. Amar Ravashi, Ravashi says, you should know, Masnisa Nami Dekar Misha seems to imply with this explanation, Diktani, because we say, Aisin Kol Tzorchei Rabim, you let to take care of anything that the Rabim needs. Kol Asuyemai, what do you mean all? Isn't it even coming to include digging of a new ditch that or new well that even that uh, if, if a community, if the public, if the masses need a new well, it's going to be allowed to dig a new one. Says the Gemara, no. We're not arguing on the halacha, but we're arguing on the proof in the mission. The Gemara says, you have no proof in the mission. Maybe kol tzarche um, rabim is coming to include the following situation from the Braiso, which states, on Cholamayid, you would have Shluchei Bezdin, messengers of the Bezdin, messengers of the court. They would go out and make sure that there were no, what we call nowadays, potholes. Okay? Lekaveitz um, really means to get rid of the thorns. You want to make sure that the travel for people on Cholamayid is a pleasant travel and they don't get hurt. Okay? Um, what else would they do? They'd fix up the roads, the ice, and they would fix up the the shuk, the marketplace. They'd make sure that the mikvahs that were built for the public had the requisite uh, amount of water, because as we know, Rashi explains here that um, in the warmer months the waters evaporate. And therefore, you got to make sure there's still 40 saw. And besides for that, every time somebody walks into a mikvah, guess what? He walks out wet, which means he's taking some water with him. So there were, these, there were various times, the various points during the years, they would send out agents to make sure that the public mikvahs were all taken care of. These agents were allowed to go out even on Cholomite. The whole mikvah, she'ein boy arbom, so any mikvah that didn't have the proper amount of water, so they'd make sure that, they, that uh, the proper amount of, of water came in from other sources, kosher sources, obviously. And how do we know that if the Shluchei Bezdin do not go out on Cholamayid, that any, any uh, it literally means any blood that was poured over there, it's as if they spilled it, Okay, meaning, what if they didn't fix the roads? What if they didn't clean it out and make sure people weren't getting hurt? They left those deep potholes in the middle of the road, that, that the Bezdin of that city is responsible, the blood is going to be on your hands. Okay, now, that's the Brisa. Pretty straightforward Brisa concerning the, the Shluche Bezdin, the messengers of the Bezdin, and the importance of making sure that the roads were safe, proper to travel, mikvahs had, a, you know, the, the mikvahs had the required amount of water, the marketplaces were set up, for for business. Okay, now let's bring this full circle, this Bryce a full circle back to our Gemara. Didn't we just say explicitly in this Bryce, they fixed up the roads on Cholomite, and the streets, and the Mikvais. So you see, says the Gemara, when the Mishnah says, they would do all of the needs of the public, you see that all of the needs is not coming to include new wells, it's coming to include roads, paths, mikvahs, and therefore, 
you have no proof. Says the Gemara, okay. So, isn't it coming to include Chafira, Shmamina? From here, Yitaka see that digging a new well is Mutter, because we already have Xeris Akosov telling me everything else. Period. Bottom line, we're sticking with this halacha that, uh, with the explanation that um, for a Rabbim, as long as there's a Tzarech, when there's a need, not only are you permitted to clean out, it is even permitted to dig brand new Gavaldik. All right. Next part of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, what else are you allowed to do on Cholamayr for the needs of the public? Mitzainen es hakvaris. You're allowed to mark off graves. Okay? But we would call tombstones. Um, now, over here, however, the conversation is going to be specific to why we have markers for graves. And the reason is to make sure that people know there's tumah, there's impurity in that spot, which was crucial, especially back then, when they had tumah and tara. Yeah. And they were uh, and they were they had to ensure that things that were tahar remained tahar. So let's go. It's permitted to mark off graves. This is going to lead us into a beautiful Beautiful Gemara with some stories and some fascinating Limudim. Amar of Shimon ben Pazi. Rav Shimon ben Pazi says, Remez Litzion Kvares Min Hatayra Minayin. Where do you find the hint that you should mark off graves? Meaning, he's not looking for a biblical source that there's an obligation, but where's, where do the sages get it from when they instituted that you got to mark off a grave? Where's it into in the Torah? Tamar Laimar, Vera Etzem Adam, Uvana Etzlai. Okay, so the Gemara answers, very interesting, from a Pasuk in Yechezkel that talks about the times of Mashiach, there's going to be battles and there's going to be bodies lying everywhere, non-Jewish bodies by the way, there's going to be bodies from all these armies lying all over the place, and therefore there's going to, we're going to mark off every time we find a, uh, every time we find a corpse. So the Torah is hinting to us, now keep in mind, this can't be a source of a chiyuv, because this is l'asad l'avay, right? This is talking about in the future, that's what's going to be done. See, see, that's what should be done. All right. Amalei Ravina Ravashi, Ravina says to Ravashi, one second, This is the Pasuk from Yechezko. Guess what? Yechezko was not the first Jew. He was from the times of the Nevi'im. Until the times of Yechezko, didn't they mark off where they buried somebody? If you're going to tell me the whole hint starts on Pazik and Yechezkel, what's with the markers prior to Yechezkel? That's his kasha. That's Ravina's kasha to Ravashi. So in classic Jewish form, Ravashi, instead of answering Ravina's problem, is going to say to Ravina, got you, but I'm going to ask the same question back on you. Okay. Ula tamech. According to you, Ravina, this we did not learn from the Chamisha Chum Sheitaira. But it's learned out from Yechazka Bambuzi. Yeah, Gavaldik. It says that a Kayin who has, uh, is an Aral of his heart and an Aral of his flesh is not allowed to do the Avodah. Okay, now, who said this? Yechezkel. Was Yechezkel the first Jew? No. Were there Kayhanim before Yechezkel? You better believe it. Wasn't the Halacha before Yechezkel came along that a Kayan that doesn't have a Brismila cannot do the Avodah? You better believe it. So how'd they know that? Says Rav Ashi back to Ravina, don't start asking me kashas on psukim that are written later on in the times of the Navi, uh, because I'll ask back on you, how do you know your other halacha, which you certainly agree with, of Kayin uh, without a bris milah? I'll ask the same question on you. Before Yechezko came along, how did they know that a Kayin without a bris milah cannot do the Avaidah? Rather, what are you going to say? Ella, what are you going to respond? Gemara, Gemirila, Ozalach, Lomesh, Vizinai, Vasi Yechezko, Ba'asmacha, Akron, Yechezko went and put him to a Pusik later on? No, Gavaldik. So that's what I'm telling you as well. So too, in the halacha that you are questioning me on, which is, how do you know to mark off a kever 
you know, where does it enter to in the Torah? Oh, how, how can you say the source is Yechezka? What they do until then? Halachul Ma'ishmi Sinai. It's a Gemara Gemirila. It's a Halachul Ma'ishmi to mark off Kvarim. Vasi Yechezkel va'asmecha Akra. And Yechezkel later came along and he put it into the Psukim in his Sefer. Period. Okay, so that's source number one. We start out the Gemara. What's the biblical source of marking off Kvarim to ensure people do not become Tameh? Answer number one is Rav Shimon ben Pazi, who says it's a pasuk from Yechezku, which really means halachul Sinai. The source is halachul Sinai. Okay, that is answer number one. Here we go. Rabavo Amar Mehacha. Rabavo gives another answer, and he says I have another source that there is a chiv to mark off kvarim. What's the source? The Tamei Tamei Yikra, a Metzairah has to tell people he's Tamei. You go near a Metzairah, he says, Tamei, Tamei, Tumah Kaira Lai Vaymeris Lai Preish. Which means that if somebody, whenever there's Tumah, there's an obligation to tell other people, go away from me, stay away from me. Separate. The Chaynama Rebu Ziobar, Bred Rebu Ziorabba, Tumah Kaira Lai Vaymeris Lai Preish. Tumah, calls out and says, separate from me. Okay, so that's the source. Had you to put up a, a marker by a kever? Because you see, the same way a matzaira has to tell people, stay away from me when I'm tame, anytime there's impurity, anytime there's a corpse, you got to make a marker. Because the dead guy can't talk. Right? So we put up a stone letting people, uh, letting people know that, um, that there's tumah there. Says the Gemara of Ahai Lach Yudas, is that what the Pasuk something to teach me? Yeah, the Pasuk of Tami Tami Ikra. We need it for the following Halacha. But Tami Tami Ikra, the Metzara says, Tami Tami Tzarech Laidia Tzari Larabim, which means, you know why he's calling out not to tell people that they shouldn't become Tami. The reason, this is such a beautiful, beautiful statement. You know why Metzara says, I'm Tami? So that people will find out that he's going through a difficult time in life. And therefore they can go daven for him. Says the Gemara, when, so, when a Yid is going through a Tzara, don't keep it private. You're entitled to privacy. But don't think, you know what, I'm not going to tell anybody because I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want them to have to daven for me. No! Yid and daven for each other. And if somebody has a Tzara, if somebody, God forbid, has an illness, or they have something they need, and it's not a private thing, it doesn't need to be kept private. Some things you're entitled to keep private, but otherwise, tell Yidin, tell Klal Yisrael, you know what, I could use your tefillahs right now. And the Mitzayra calls out, Tomei, Tomei, why? So Yidin Kedavim for him. And you ask for Siyat Deshmaya. Apparently, because why is he Tomei in the first place? He spoke Lashon Hara. Don't speak Lashon Hara, then ask me for help, right? No, but that's Taka what's happening. He says, I spoke Lashon Hara, now I'm Tomei. Listen, I need some, I need some uh, have divine assistance to fight my Yitzhahara. Just help Davin, Davin that, I should be, that I should be taken out of this, right? So ask the Gemara, Tamei Tamei Yikra is not here for uh, the information that there's Tumah in that location. That's not why the Matera is calling it out. The reason why he's doing it is to ask for prayers. And if he's doing it to ask for prayers, we no longer have a source to mark off a grave. What, what, what do you, why would you mark off the grave? To go daven for the dead guy? What are you davening for? Says the Gemara, Imkain, no. If you think the only reason why Tamei Tamei Yikra is just to daven for him, Lichtoiv v'tamei Yikra. It should say, he calls out Tamei. My Tamei Tamei. Why does he have to say, Tamei, Tamei, Shamas Mino Atarti. You see, this is both true. Beautiful. Since it's both true, Tamei Tamei. So we're learning from here. A Mitzayra calls out Tameh to let people know to daven. And he calls out Tameh to let people know they shouldn't become Tameh by touching him. Therefore, we now have a source. Whenever there's Tumah, you're supposed to tell people to stay away. Hence, we have a marker for tombstones. Givaldic. Okay, so, so far, we have two sources as why there's a Chiyav to mark off graves. Source number one is Halakha L'mayshim Sinai, and then Yechezkel put it into his Psukim. Source number two is from Mitzayra. Let's keep going. Abai has another source. He says, Do not let a blind person stumble, meaning a, naive, a person who's unaware of what's happening. Do not let them sin. And therefore, what's going to happen is, if you don't put up a marker, 
So a person might not know and become tame, and then they're going to make other things tame which aren't permitted to be tame. So the reason why, the reason why we um, mark off a grave, he says, is because of lifneiver. You got to let people know. It says, move to the side, clear out the road. Okay, what do you mean clear out the road? Rashi says, it should be clear to people that wherever they go, there's no tumah. People have a right to know before they go somewhere exactly what they're in for. Rav Chanina says, remove the mechshelis, remove the stumbling blocks from my paths, which is including spiritual stumbling blocks, impurity. Make the paths known that they go on. They should know exactly what's happening. Should separate Bnei Yisrael from Tumah. Beautiful. Therefore, you got to mark it off so you know they know how to separate from Tumah. You should protect my mitzvahs. What do you mean you should protect my mitzvahs? Make protections for my for for my mishmar, things that I told you to be careful about, which is becoming Tomei. Ravina Amar Ravina says, V'som derech erenu b'yesha him, And he sets aside a path, and I will show him the Yeshua, the salvation of the Rabban Shalom. Meaning, you should set aside the roads and let people know exactly what's taking place on those paths. Period. We now have many, many more sources of the importance of marking off graves so that people can be assured that wherever they're going, wherever they're traveling, wherever they're walking, they know what they're in for. They're not going to become tummy. Period. Okay. Now, based off of the uh, this Pasuk, of Visam Derech Erenu Bi'eshalakim, a person should set establish the path that they're going on, and when you have a set path that you go on, you will see the Yeshua of the Rabbani Shalom. Listen to these beautiful words. When you have a set path that you go on, you'll see the Yeshua of the Rabbani Shalom. A set path, no confusion. That's when Yeshua comes. The Gemara is going to get into some beautiful messages of this Pasuk. Here we go. Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, we are now three lines from the bottom of Dafhei Amud Aleph. Kol Hasam Archaisav. Anybody who sets their ways. What does it mean, sets their ways? Sets their ways? Not the app. A person who sets their life in front of them is aware what I'm doing, when I'm doing it. What's happening? My sister shared with me over Shabbos that she heard from Rabbi Eli Mansur. There was some, um, there was some uh, study that was done in 2007. What people do with 24 hours in their day. And it was 8 hours of sleep, 3 hours of personal needs. Um, there was... Eight hours of work and five hours of things that people put into their hobbies and passions. Five hours a day on average for an average person in 2007. They did the same exact study in 2017. And it was eight hours of work, eight hours of sleep, three hours of personal Needs, family, eating, bathroom, so on and so forth. And five hours, people had no clue where it went. People just didn't know. Like, what do you do with the, la- with the last five hours? That We don't know. That's what Rabbi Mansur says. There was, I didn't see it yet. I, was, I wanted to, to look this up and see where he got it from. But certainly in 2022, how true it is. Time just flies. Goes away. It's like you, pe- people have nothing to do. As my mother would, my mother's in the bracha would say when I would co- complain when I was a kid and I was bored. I'd say, "Mom, bored." She would say, "That's fine. You're called a human being, not a human doing. You don't always need to do something. You could just be, just be. Yeah, relax. You're allowed to be yeah. a human being. 
That's what she, that's what she would tell me. She wouldn't listen to my kvetching. She wasn't into it, right? But what's the idea? Before we had all the access to the internet and everything that's out there, people had to p- people were doing things. And now, when you have 15 minutes, instead of taking care of your hobby, going to play a little tennis, going to, you know, you have a passion to save uh, people here and to do, give a little stuff. People, so what do you do? You go online for 20 minutes. You see what else is going on in the news. What else? It's five hours a day. It's just gone. It's wild. But th- this, is, this is mamish what's happening in the society that, uh, society that we live in. Kola somar chaysav. A person who sets his ways. I know what I'm doing with my time. I'm aware of how I'm living my life. I, I don't respond to five hours of my day. I don't know. I'm aware. Will merit to see the salvation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Interestingly, he doesn't say you have to be doing mitzvahs the whole time. He just says you have to be aware. Just know what you're doing. with your, Just be aware. If a person's aware of how they're living their life, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be zaycheh to see the salvation of the Rebbein Shalom. You set your way. Don't read it only. A person who, who uh, estimates and takes a calculation and knows and is aware and calculates and strives to improve on it will see the Yeshua of the Rebbein Shalom. You just got to grow. That's it. You just got to grow. And growth comes through awareness. The moment we're dead with our time and we don't know what's happening, so you can't grow with that. Rav Yanei had a Talmud, a student, to call Yuma Havamakshile. Every day, this is such a beautiful story, every day <clears throat> this student would ask questions to Rav Yanei. And Rav Yanei loved it. He loved being challenged. Bishabata de Regila. But on Shabbos of Yom Tif, when there was a lot of people, this Talmud wouldn't ask questions during Shir. Kari top of Amud Beis. Rabbi Yanai said about this Talmud, this guy gets it. A person who has seichel, a person who has common sense, a person who has balance, will merit to see the salvation of the Rebbein what, what, what does this mean? Why is this story so beautiful? It's a very it's, it's it's beautiful in its simplicity. You have a student who has a Rebbe. Ask this Rebbe question all the time. Rebbe loves the questions, but he understands, you know what? When there's a lot of people around, when there's a lot of people listening into a class, that's the wrong time for me to be not only asking because I need this and wasting everybody else's time, but even more importantly, perhaps my Rebbe is in a different place as he's teaching this. When there's 20 students, 10 students in the classroom, I can ask my questions. Standard, my Rebbe is not under any extra pressure, but now there's 200 people sitting and listening in. More people, leave your Rebbe alone. The wrong time. Your Rebbe's, it's it's more, you know, there's more pressure within that environment. And the Talmud understood. He, he uh, He didn't ask his Rebbe questions. When he was under pressure. And Rabbi Yanai appreciated this Talmud. He said, this Talmud, not only a Talmud Chacham, he's got balance. He understands the time and the place to open your mouth to say what you want to say and what not to say what you want to say. Ton Rabban and the Rabbis learn socially. You don't need to put up a marker if you have a kezayis of flesh of a corpse. Now a kezayis of flesh is makabal tumah, but here's the deal. Once the, once the flesh of the corpse begins to disintegrate, you're no longer going to have the size of an olive. So what happens if we mark off the size of an olive? A few weeks later, there's no longer any tumma. Right? But if it's marked off, people are going to think there's tumma. So they're going to step over this with tara, possibly, and they're going to then burn it, thinking it's tummy and it's really not. So says the Brisa, we it's not worthwhile short-term gains, and long-term losses. Ein mitzainen. We don't mark off. Le'al kezayis ben ames. A kezayis of flesh. V'le'al etzem kesayra. Or the bone of a barley, the size of a barley. V'le'al davar shenem metame oil. Or anything that's not metame oil. In other words, something that only gives off tumah by touching. 
We do make markers when you have a whole spine or a gulgailas or a skull. Which are uh, most of the skeletal makeup of the, of the body. These things are, uh, do give off tumma, not only through touching, but also through tumas oil. Okay, tumas oil, which is when you're under the same roof, the tumma continues to spread around. But the, basically what the Bryce is letting us know is, when do you mark off with a tombstone? When it gives off tumas oil. If there's no tumas oil, you don't need to mark it. Ve'in mitzayin alabadois, you also don't need to mark off a place where there surely is tumma. The purpose of the marker is to let people know there's tumma. If everybody knows there's tumma, you don't need it. Avom mitzayin alasveikas. You put up markers when people are unsure whether there is tumma. There ve'eluhein sveikas. What are some situations where people are going to be unsure whether there's tumma? Schachais, trees that are in the cemetery and the branches hang over outside the cemetery. Uparais, anything that juts out, protrudes outside of, from inside the cemetery to outside. Ubeisapras. Beisapras is an area of land that's plowed over and we're unsure whether there's parts, maybe possible bones or things of that sort that are on the land, um, possibly yeah, possibly no. So that's also a case of suffolk, and we mark it off to let people know, don't go there, there's a potential tumah. You also don't, don't uh, put a, a, a tumah uh, marker when there is tumah, because we don't want to waste taris, and also... We don't put it too far away, so that we don't uh, waste any land in Eretz Yisrael. These last two statements, I want to explain it outside. Mamish fantastic. Both just svara, just logic. Statement number one was, don't put a marker on top of the Tumah. What does it mean on top of the Tumah? If you have a corpse, that corpse is going to take up between five and six feet in length. If you put the marker in the center of where the corpse is laying... Guess what's going to happen? People are going to walk over the side of the corpse and they're still going to be tummy. So says point number one, don't put it directly on top of the tummy because then by the time people get to it, it's too late. They're already tummy. Put the marker just around, just alongside where the tumma is so people know, step around. Don't go on this at all. And point number two is, even though you're not putting it directly on top, don't put it too far away either. Because Israel's got a hot real estate. And if you put the marker too far away, you're wasting five inches of Israeli land. So it's got to be mamish, the marker should be mamish on the edge of where the tumma is. So when people, when people get close to it, they're not, gonna get, they're not going to uh, become tummy or, or make other things tummy. And you're also not going to waste any unnecessary land in Eretz Yisrael. Period. Azayizok, the Bryce. That's the Bryce says. Says the Gemara. Okay. Is it true that the size of an olive of flesh is not metamitam asayil? And therefore you don't need to mark it off. Even the flesh of a mace. Amar of Papa. Rav Papa says, he explains, says, you know what? It is tummy. It does give off tumma, even to masayil, but he explains what we said before. And he says like this, We're dealing with an exact kezayas. So it's going to disintegrate. In the end, a little while later, it's not going to be the size of an olive. It's better. That, you, that if you have something, have to be burnt for a short amount of time, and not have things burnt forever because of this flesh. What does that mean? You have a kezayis of flesh. I put up a marker. Three weeks later, it's not really a kezayis, but the marker's there. We don't know exactly when it's no longer the size of an olive, right? But the, the marker's there. There's a good chance it's no longer the size of an olive, but somebody's going to take truma, possibly, or kudshim, go near there, make it tummy by mistake, and now they're going to have to burn it, when really they didn't have to burn it. And this is going to go on for however long as the marker is there. And people are going to keep thinking it's tummy, 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 and it's really not. So it says the Gemara, better short-term loss and long, to, to prevent 
long-term loss. And here's the, what's the case of a suffix when you're in doubt whether there's Toma? The trees that overhang uh, from the cemetery out to the street. And the parts that jut out, they protrude. Gemar just explains, what's Shachais? That's a tree that goes from inside the cemetery and hangs over. Uh, and people could go underneath those branches. And things that stick out are talking about stones that jut out from the wall. What's a base of Pras? Like we learned in the Mishnah, when you have a plowed over field, that's what's considered a base of Pras. And how much of the field is considered a base of Pras? Which is the length of a furrow which is up until 100 amas from the grave, which means if you have a grave and then it's plowed over, there's a chance that parts of that body have continued up till 100 amas, period. Says the Gemara. Is it really true? They got to be concerned about the Beis HaPras um, as a Sufek and therefore mark it off because it's Metame Tomas Oil. We're only concerned about Tomas Oil. So Beis HaPras Metame Tomas Oil. Says the Gemara, is that true? You're allowed to walk on a base of pras as long as you blow on the ground in front of you with the wind, just in case there's a there is a little bit of bone or a little bit of flesh in the you know in the soil. You you know you'll you'll blow it away from in front of you. You have a little uh, a little leaf blower, and you're allowed to keep walking and assume that you're tar. Rabbi Barami Mishmei Deula. Rabbi Barami says name of Ula base of pras. Shanidash Tohar. If it's a base pras where there's already a path uh, that's been that's been flattened out in front of you, many people have walked there. <coughs> Excuse me. Also, it's going to be tar, and there. Why is it going to be tar? Because we're going to assume that anybody who walked there has pushed down any sort of corpse into the ground. But one second. If it's metami to masayil, you're going to be tummy anyway. It must be that once it's pushed down, it's not metami to masayil. If it's not metami to masayil, if it doesn't give off the roof toma, why are we concerned? You shouldn't have to mark it off. Answers the Gemara, Amr of Papa, like Kasha, there's no question. Kambisodash Abad Bakaber, once talking about a field where you know for sure there was a grave, and then we lost track of the grave. We don't know where it is. And the, fa- and the, and the field is plowed over. So now you gotta be, there's a real concern. You know somebody's buried there. We don't know where. It's plowed over. The bones have been taken in, uh, in many directions. So there, there will be Tumas Oil. However, the other case is dealing with um, a field where the kever itself was plowed over. So you didn't have a definite spot uh, anywhere, so there we could be more makel, we could be more lenient and say, you know what, if you see, you know, or there's a chance that there's part of the body in front of you, a bone, so you got to at least blow. But otherwise, to say that it's mektame tumas oil, we don't go so far, we're not going to be that machmer. If you have a field where the grave is not there, do we even call that a besa pras? Is it even called a field with a grave that's been plowed over? And yeah, certainly, Vatanan, and I'll prove it to you. We learned in the Mishnah, Shleisha Besa Prasin, the three types of Besa Pras, Sada Shenever a field where there was a Kever, and now we don't know where it is, the Sada Shenechrash Bakever, or a field where it's plowed over. Meaning, in the first case, there was a Kever that's not even plowed over. We just know somebody's buried there, we just don't know exactly where. We're not sure where it is. The Sada Shenechrash Bakever, a field where it's plowed over, Ustay Baichin. And a Stay Baichin, a field of crying. Says the Gemara, never hide of it. What are you talking about? What is a field of Bechia? A field of crying. Never heard of it. Answer the Gemara. It is a field where they are maftir. They walk away um, from their dead. Okay? Meaning, you take it out to a field and they would leave the mace there and the people who worked in the cemetery would go and bury, and, and bury that body. Okay? So this is called the field where the people who brought it didn't actually do a burial. They would cry there. They would bring the body, they would give the hespit, and then the people, the locals, would bury this body wherever it was. Says Gemara, the time of my, what's the reason for, like, what's going on? It's because of Yush Bailim that the Rabbonon considered this 
um, to be a base hapras. Now, what does it mean that uh, that what does it mean that there was yish? Okay, so the yish is that it's a mamish important lesson in life when nobody's taking full achrayas for the whole situation. You have the people of the town that are bringing the body to the cemetery. And they rely on the Jewish people in the cemetery on the outskirts of their town. Let's say the cemetery is in between the two towns. They rely on them to go do, uh, to go do the burial. You don't know for sure where everything ends up. And there's a chance that there may be a body that wasn't buried properly, people don't know about... You can have sometimes, um, Rashi says, one of the examples Rashi gives, you have burials where you got to, you got to, if chas v'sholem, there's a, there's a bomb. Not Rashi's case, right? But similar. You have to bury just an aver. You have to bury one limb of a person. When there's a, a bomb attacks, unfortunately, in Eretz Yisrael, right? They're burying body parts. So you can have a community that needs to be buried. You have, a, you have people in the community bringing the body parts to the cemetery, expecting the other people to bury it. They don't necessarily get, get, get everything in. They, they may have left something out in the field. Therefore, a stay baychen, a field, where you don't have one particular group of people taking full achrayas on the entire burial, we have to assume there's a chance that there's tumah there. You want to know it's done? Get it done yourself. Otherwise, you don't know for sure. Okay. Says the Gemara, Is it true that a field that has plowed over Kvarim, um, you do not need markings? Now, we said you do. Rav Papa holds you don't. So we're asking on Rav Papa. If a person has a field with a tziyayin. What's a tziyayin? With, with uh, markers. That there's a cemetery. However, ve'enyadua mativa. Okay, you're not really sure, like what's going on in that field. What exactly the marker is representing? Is it a grave? Is it the edge of the cemetery? What exactly? What, what's going on of it? So yesh be'ilanes. If there's trees there, be'adua shenechrash b'kaver. You could assume that there were graves there that have been plowed over. Okay, why do you assume it's plowed over? Because there's things that are growing there, and in order to keep things growing, you have to assume there's plowing, and since there's plowing, now I have a concern that there's possible body parts that have been moved around. Okay. Ain ba'ilanis, but if there's no trees growing there, we do a shavad bakever. So, why is there a tziyan? Yeah, it must be somebody was buried there, but we're not exactly, at some point, but now we don't know where exactly that grave is. We don't know where it is. All right? So it's not plowed. Not, we just don't know where it is. Okay? Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, He says, This is only true, that you have to make these, these assumptions, if you, unless you have a zakin or a Talmud, meaning somebody who's aware of what's going on in that city, what's going on in that town, what the history is, what was taking place in the field. Not everybody is a bucky, uh, in in this matter, people aren't so aware <coughs> of exactly what's happening, unless you're an elder statesman with a long history in the community, or a Talmud Chacham. Which means, what's Talmud Chacham? Somebody who makes sure that they're aware where the burial happened, when it happened. Uh, otherwise, it's like, yeah, maybe people who aren't. Unfortunately, we don't need to look too far anymore when it comes to burials. People who are ignorant about the laws of burial, and they don't care too much about it, don't really know what's happening. This, that, my, where, where's the, what do I do in the cemetery? What the, you have to be learned or an elderly person to rely on your testimony about what is happening in this place. Okay, the bottom line is, you see that you can have markers, even in fields that are considered plowed over, kashon or papa. Um, Rav Papa, Papa is going to say, no, Kitan Yahi, that price is, what's that price of dealing with? We're dealing with a field where there was a lost grave, and that's why they put up a tziyan. Okay? Meaning, we know there was a grave. Then a tziyan was put up later, not the other way. So, in such a case, 
if there's trees, so you know that the, you have to assume that the lost kever was plowed over. If there's no trees, you know that um, the grave was, was uh, just lost. You don't need to assume that anything was spread out across the field. Why aren't we concerned? Just because there's trees there, maybe the trees are in a completely different location than the kever. In other words, maybe the, the kever wasn't placed anywhere near the trees, and just because there's plowing done near the trees doesn't necessarily, shouldn't necessarily turn the field into a plowed field, because the plowing could be done somewhere else. Answer the Gemara, Kid Amar Ula, the answer, the logic is going to be because of Ula's statement, who says, but Oymdim al Hagvulim. The trees are Oymdim, they are standing al Hagvulim by the borders of the field. Hachanami, so too over here, we're dealing with trees that are on the borders of the field. Now, what does this help us? It helps us in the following way. You never bury a person at the edge of a field. Even Kayahanim, who are generally buried towards the edge of the cemetery, towards the edge of the field, are still in the field. They're not going to be on the actual border. Okay, So if you have trees around the edge of what, the, what we'll call a cemetery or a suspected cemetery, you don't need to assume there's graves on the outside of the trees. The whole concern is the graves that are going to be on the inside. And the only time there's a concern that something was moved around will depend what it's going to be if the plowing was done on the inside not on the outside. Top of tomorrow's daf, we'll end off with uh, just a couple more lines. Maybe the tuma is on the inside, while the trees are on the outside. It says the Gemara, Okay, we'll say we're dealing with, where you have, we're not dealing with trees. That case is not trees that are on the outer part of the field, the outer border. That's dealing with trees all over the field. When there's trees all over the field, so now we're taka confused. We don't know. Right, you have trees, so it should be plowed, and the, the grave could be anywhere near near any tree. So you have to assume it was a plowed overfield. But you say more. You could say, "Ha, We said uh, we said uh, previously that you shouldn't put the marker too far away from the grave because you're wasting Israeli land. You should put it on the edge, but not too far. Beautiful, right? This brings this conversation full circle. So you don't waste any uh, any Eretz Yisrael, uh, any land in Eretz Yisrael. So if you find a marker over here, where's the marker? The marker is going to be near the trees. The trees need to be plowed. What does that mean? It's a base harish. The grave was plowed over because by de- by b- because of where a marker is placed, the grave. 99% is going to be right there. Since that's near the tree, the grave is near the tree. Since tree needs plowing, grave was plowed, and we're going to have the concern of a base harash. Beautiful. We'll hold it here. We're up to Rebbe Yehuda Eimer on the fourth line of Davav, and Bezosham we will pick up from here tomorrow evening at the same time.